Welcome back to Over the Top, a great war podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's officially here. The first interview episode for OTT. And I know I'm out of sync because the final episode to the Gallipoli Landing series was supposed to be next, but I was too excited and couldn't wait to release this episode. It's like a hot potato out of the oven. Get it on the plate and let's serve it up. You can't wait for that potato to get cold. Get it while it's hot. And this is okay. There's no podcast rules being broken, so I think we're good. And more importantly, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. It was an honor to have my first official guest on the show, a really cool guy. His name is Bruce Malone, and he's not only a historian and retired Army veteran, he's also the superintendent of the Meuse-Argonne American Cemetery Memorial, along with several other memorials in France. I follow the Meuse-Argonne American Cemetery and Memorial on Facebook, and I kept seeing Bruce posting these amazing photos from the cemetery and memorials, and I just kept thinking, this guy has one of the best jobs in the world. And finally, I took that leap of faith and inquired if he would like to do an interview episode about his job. And voila, here we are. And what makes this topic so near and dear to my heart is because this was my first road trip with my wife in France visiting war memorials and cemeteries. And the Muse Argonne was one of the first sites I had planned on my trip. So without further ado, here's the interview with Mr. Bruce Malone. All right, Bruce, welcome to Over the Top, a great war podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'll be honest. I've been looking at Bruce on Facebook and I see his posts. He works at the Muse Argonne American Cemetery. And I'm going to let him give a little background, but I see this guy and I see, wow, he could have the, one of the best jobs in the world. Bruce, would you like to tell everybody what, what you do? Uh, sure. And I would say it is one of the best jobs in the world. It's certainly a privilege to do what I do. Um, I am the superintendent of the Musargan American Cemetery out in uh, rural northeastern France. <clears throat> um, one of the uh, cemeteries mostly in Europe, but also North Africa and in the Philippines and in Central America run by the American Battle Monuments Commission. And uh, the Musargan happens to be our largest in, in Europe. A lot of people think, well, Normandy must be the largest, but it's not. It's out here uh, going back to a battle a little over 102 years ago. Um, and it is right in the heart of the Muzargan uh, battlefield, uh, where some of the heaviest fighting took place for the uh, American Expeditionary Forces back in 1918, in the fall of 1918. Um, my job here is essentially oversee everything that goes on here, uh, provide the crew with all the equipment and materials they need to do their job. I set the vision for what we're going to do, how the cemetery uh, maintenance will be done, the standards for the maintenance, the, uh, the level, uh, how it looks. And I also manage our visitor center here, our small museum. And um, we give tours when people come in, not so much this year, obviously. It's been a strange year. Um, groups that come in or individuals we just happen to meet uh, in the cemetery and answer their questions and show them different sites in the, in the cemetery. Wow, that, that's amazing. So, uh, my wife and I actually went to the cemetery October of 2017. So we left Rhymes 
Um, I'm sorry. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> you have to excuse me when I pronounce things wrong. Um, we left Rhymes, and actually, the road we took, we first hit the um, the Ulcery Navarin. That was actually our first monument, but we were headed to the Meuse Argonne. But when I got to the Meuse Argonne, I just can't tell you the level of awe when you first just walk up to the cemetery. And coming from America, this is my first time in France, my first time to an American memorial. And it, it literally was jaw-dropping. I, I couldn't believe it. And I've been obsessed with it since. And and obviously World War One, Right. And I always tell people just, just how moving it was. And, and personally, not to take anything away from World War Two, because absolutely those are great sites. But I, I, I was more in awe and jaw-dropped uh, oh, at the cemetery than I was even the American um, cemetery in Normandy. Not that it still isn't good, if you understand what I'm saying, but right. this is truly an amazing. And and another thing that impressed me, when my wife and I we were walk, walking around the cemetery, the respect that we get. So when we were walking to certain areas, if there was workers, they would stop what they were doing. They would let you let you just take pictures kind of gave you your moment and they would go works in another area and come back when you leave it's just the, the level of professionalism was was yeah. was amazing and it, and the place is immaculate so i just i give you so much respect for what what you do and your crew does well i um i get all the compliments or most of the compliments um i along with the <laughs> ladies who work in the visitor center because we interact with the public um, so we get the compliments. What a what a fantastic job you do here. And, you know, I am part of it, but I always pass those compliments on to the crew. We have a, uh, a large crew because of the large site of professional gardeners, professional masons um, and maintenance workers and mechanics that keep it all all moving. And uh, and I always pass on the compliments because those are the guys out there and gals uh, that work here that are out there. Rain burning sun rain going sideways snow ice you know that's they're out there it's a it's a uh, full-time job and uh, they're the ones that actually do the magic well what a great job they're doing please please pass pass it along thank you mm -hmm. <clears throat> how long have you been working at the cemetery I've been at this cemetery for almost three years. Uh, January, middle of January uh, will be 36 months, so almost three years. Um, but I've been doing the job for in France for 10 and a half years. And this is my um, my sixth site that I've oh, been at. Oh, wow. How did this all come about with you working in France? Um, well, I can do a, a short, long, or in the middle story. I guess I'll go for the middle, the medium-sized story. Um, I learned about the American Battle Monuments Commission back in the mid-70s. Uh, I was about, given my age here, 10, 11 years old. My mother received a, um, a big envelope in the mail one day. For, we lived in western Pennsylvania. She received a big envelope in the mail from her brother, who lives in Ohio. And inside this big envelope historical information, pictures, uh, and things about a cemetery in Eastern Belgium, including a picture of a headstone. I thought, well, why is she getting all this? And I learned that her father, my maternal grandfather is buried World War II cemetery on Richapel cemetery in Eastern Belgium. Wow. Um, which I hadn't known that before. 
so then um, I come of age. I joined the army right out of uh, right out of high school, and I got interested in military history and just started studying and reading and studying and reading. Now I've got the degrees to back it up, um, but I've been interested in it for so long. And um, I did a whole career in the army. Like many people, I joined for three years, and I'm getting out, and then I ended up staying to retirement. Um, <laughs> Congratulations! This, thank you. And this is. Uh, just something that um, my wife and I wanted to do. Um, at the time, she was in the Air Force, and I was working for the Army in Germany as a civilian. And uh, she got uh, orders for her last two years in the Air Force into to go to California. So what's a retired, you know, Army guy who you know has a degree in history? What's he going to do in California? Um, yeah. So we decided to do this. Um, I applied. I got the uh, I got the job, and then uh, in summer of 2010, I drove across the border from Germany into France. The, is the process um, working and living in France, is it hard? It seemed like it was hard at the time. Um, the hardest part for me was the French test. Okay. Um, I, I had been stationed at uh, Shape headquarters in Belgium, the NATO headquarters, and I had taken some, uh, some French classes so I could get along and speak a little bit. Um, I had a great instructor who just, you know, drilled the, the grammar basics into, into our heads. And then I, I left Europe and didn't speak French anywhere else. But when we decided we wanted to do this, I just started studying, um, getting podcasts that were available, getting all my books out, anything, and just started studying and studying. Um, and former military, it's easier to live over here. Uh, I imagine it must be hard for somebody from the U.S. who doesn't have a, uh, a long military background to give up that life to move over here to mostly isolated living and get along you know in the local language you're immersed in the local language i mean the workers here speak french the locals speak french uh, not a lot of them speak english so you got to be able to get along and you know live out here and you know where our nearest uh, grocery store of any size is about a 30 minute drive you know, so I, I do. I do remember being kind of out in the country in the Musargon. It's not the easiest place to find if you're an American just going going into France. No, you know, so, sometimes Google Maps isn't working the best on your phone. Right, you, right. you definitely got to know how to read a map. Yeah, but the hardest part in the whole process, um, you know, I applied uh, back in uh, what April or so of 2010, and the first thing I was interviewed over the phone, and then I was offered the French test. And that was a difficult part. Um, I, I achieved enough to pass the, the test at the level to be accepted. And then I was scheduled to visit a cemetery, talk to a superintendent, because the superintendent then will tell you, are you capable of living out here, you know, in the middle of February when the only person you see on a certain day is your spouse? That's the only other human you might see. Um, and you see the, you know, it, Everybody comes here, like you said, you drive into this place, you get out of your car, and everybody just goes, wow. Well, that's the end product. There's a lot of stuff that gets it to that point. And that's, you know, so you go behind the scenes and look around at how it works. It's it's a beehive and uh, a lot of things going on at any given moment. And um, I did that. Then I went on to Paris and had my uh, official, you know, formal interview. And uh, a day or two later, they called me and, and offered me a, uh, a position as assistant superintendent, which I accepted. That's great. 
That is awesome. So the folks in Paris, are they um, also Americans running that department over there? Or, or are you being interviewed by by French, by the French the citizens? The interviews for the uh, the American, as we would call them, the GS positions, uh, those okay. are those are done by Americans in, in Paris. But we have um, a lot of folks, uh, locals who work in Paris. Um, we have a public affairs office there. We have engineers, horticultural specialists, everything we need to run the place a uh, mixture of american and french and um then we have our uh, headquarters in arlington virginia too oh okay yeah. so the workers at the musargon american cemetery are they uh, are they all americans majority of americans or are they kind of mixed <laughs> oh right now we have uh let me count we've got 35 36 people here on site um, when we're uh, all at work, and right now I'm the only American. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, our wow. assist, our assistant superintendent position here is vacant. Not all cemeteries have an assistant, but this is a large site, um, so we have a position for an assistant, but it's vacant right now, and we're recruiting. But right now I'm the only American. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. I I I don't know why I. I I don't know. I thought there would be more more Americans working there because I it is American ran though, right? I mean, so the, yeah. the 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 French citizens that are that do work at the cemetery technically they're you know it's an American organization that's paying them, right? Yes, got it. Yeah, yeah it's the American tax dollar at work. They're paid everything we do here. Every every seed that we throw down for grass, everything is paid for by the American government. Yeah, you yeah, got it. <clears throat> now the the burials. This is kind of a, uh, an odd question, but when was the actual last burial? And the reason I'm asking this: Do they still find American bodies, you know, in the forest that, that you know that they're they're claiming? Um, so when was the last person buried at the Musargon American Cemetery? According to our records, it's a uh, a young soldier was found in 1956. And, wow. uh, okay. and and he's buried here. We have um, almost a thousand names in what we call the Wall of the Missing. It's up in our chapel, um, and he's on there. He's got a little marker by his name because he has been found and identified and buried. We have um, several that are like that here. But as far as I know, 1956 was the young soldier Lonnie Blair was his name. I don't know the circumstances of how they found him. I don't have that history, but uh, so I go with the number 1956, the year. Wow. Is there a lot of uh, Americans buried there who lost their life to the Spanish flu? Oh, yes. Yeah, we have some. Um, I think four of our six women buried here, um, nurses working with the Red Cross. Uh, I think four of the six died from the uh, Spanish flu. And it's not so much the flu that, that killed you. It was the, the pneumonia and other things. Right. The flu weakens you and then, then everything else moves in. Um, but, yeah, we have a lot. Um a lot of the uh, the soldiers, um, you know, you said you, you see my pictures. A lot of the ones that I've been posting here, which is after the war was over, we find out that a lot of them died from pneumonia or other ailments. Right. Right. Wow. <clears throat> Who's the most famous person that you've had visit the cemetery? <laughs> most famous. Um, I will change the maybe the, the question from famous because when you say famous, you think athletes, movie stars, you know, that kind of stuff. I will say well-known. How's that? Um, That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Having been in uh, five 
of the World War One, World War Two cemeteries, plus being superintendent at the Lafayette Escadrille. I have met a lot over the last ten years, but here, um, I don't want to. I don't want to go on record as saying you know the most well known because I don't want to put one above the other. Um, okay. I've had um, the U.S. ambassador to Luxembourg here. Okay. Um, I've had uh, former Secretary of State James Baker here. Um, Current Senator Roy Blunt from Missouri has been here with his family. I had um, congressional delegations with a bunch of different uh, uh, congresspersons and their staff and everybody else, you know, all their handlers and everything. Um, former Secretary of Defense and former Secretary of the Army Mark Esper was here for our centennial ceremony back in, oh, okay. uh, in uh, 2018. And... Um, Veterans Weekend, Veterans Day Weekend in 2018, I had a congressional delegation here. I also had with them um, General uh, Milley, who was Chief of Staff Army then, and now he's Chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff. So he was here. He was a, he was very interesting to talk to. I've had um, a couple former SAC yours. Um, uh, General Breedlove was here. I had uh, former SAC your General Curtis Scaparotti for the centennial when he was still the SAC year. Um yeah, so I've, I've had well-known, we'll say, as far as, you know, famous athletes or celebrities, they don't seem to make it out this far. <laughs> no, yeah. you don't get the Kim Kardashians or the no. LeBron James or something. <laughs> no, but some cemeteries, some cemeteries do. Uh, they get that, but uh, but not out here. Um, like you mentioned, you have to be wanting to come out here to get out here. I mean, you drive a couple hours, three or so hours from Paris, and you take your exit off of the auto route, and you think, well, we're almost there. Well, no, you have to go through a series of increasingly smaller roads <laughs> before you actually yeah. get to the cemetery. So. Very well said. And that's so true. You have to have a plan to go out there. I mean, you know, it's not like going to Normandy. I mean, there's, it's pretty, you know, going to Normandy, I think it's pretty straightforward. You take a, a few roads, main highways, but yes, you're right. There's a lot of back roads. I notice you got to make a left here, a right here. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, the roundabouts are, are something you got to deal with in, in France too. Uh, I think they're brilliant though. <laughs> I, I personally like them. My wife wasn't a fan, but I, I found them fun. Yeah. Once you, once you learn how to deal with the roundabouts, you realize that, Traffic never stops if it's done properly. That's right. Maybe, maybe have, we need more of that in California. Yeah, you don't you don't have that stop and restart thing going on all the time, which tends to slow you down. Just slow down, you make your way through it, and eh, you get used to it. Yes, sir. Um, do you visit any other military history sites, um, particularly World War One? If so, which is your favorite? Um, well, that's a that question for me, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a superintendent of the cemetery, but I'm also a military historian. So everything catches my attention. You know, I, I'm the type of person driving along. I see something out there. I stop, I look, you know, yeah. and out here, you've been out here, you drive along, you look over in that farmer's field and you see a little structure and you realize that that's the remains of a German bunker from, you know, 1915, 1916, 1918. And, uh, and they're interesting, you know, be careful when you're going in there and don't pick up anything you see on the ground. It doesn't look natural. Um, but yeah, uh, here at the cemetery, I'm also responsible for a couple of our, uh, American monuments. So if you've seen the Montfaucon monument, the large tower, um, okay. 
We're doing a big project to restore that right now. Uh, I'm responsible for that and the church ruins behind it and the German bunkers around it. Um, you mentioned you were at the, uh, the uh, ossuary uh, Navarin, the Navarin farm. You were yes. about, you were about a four or five minute drive away from our big monument at some P. Okay. Or known. I didn't to, get to uh, see that one. Well, you can see it from the Navarin monument. So when you come back, let me know and I'll take you out there. Um, but that's a big monument uh, on uh, the Blancmont Ridge. Um, a lot of Marines fought there with the 2nd Division, a lot of soldiers and Marines there. And we have a nice monument uh, sitting right there. So you were only five-minute drive from, from that monument, too. Um, but as far as other monuments, I'm 40, 45 minutes from Verdun. I've been to, uh, you know, uh, Fort Vaux and Duomont and, and all that. Um, you know, I had a, had a private tour down in the... Um, the uh, Citadel of Verdun, um, about an hour south of here, just keeping with World War One, is the area known as Les Eparges. Um, not an American battlefield, but certainly for the French. Uh, our other American cemeteries um, around, not too far from here, is, uh, is Saint-Niel American Cemetery and a big monument at Montsec. Uh, about two hours west of here is Wazan American Cemetery and a couple of monuments out there. Ain Marne, which is Bellow Wood. Um, I was just there a few, yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I will visit them. Um, not about two hours from here is the, uh, Chemin des Dames, uh, Soissons, which is, you know, French, German fighting plus Americans, yep. uh, in 1908, summer 1918, um, Chateau Thierry, our big American monument there. And now a visitor center we have built in that monument. Um, and of course, you know, World War II came through here as well. You know, uh, the 5th yeah. Division liberated most of the ground. The cemetery sits on the 5th Division and 32nd Division. And in uh, 1944, General Patton sent the 5th Division right back through here <laughs> from where they were earlier. And we have a bunch of private monuments around, 5th uh, Division, of course, 1st Division, 4th uh, Division, Missouri, Pennsylvania Monument at Varenne. Varenne is famous for the escape of uh, Louis XVI, Marie Antoinette, the attempted escape. That's where they were caught. That's about 15 minutes from here. Um, north of here is uh, Sedan, Sedan, as the Americans would say, and that's where Napoleon III uh, surrendered in the Franco-Prussian War. So it's only about an hour from here. There's a lot going on out here if you, if you are interested and know where to look. Absolutely. You know, if, if you're a history buff, France in general, but northern France, Belgium, I mean, it's your playground. You, oh, yeah. There's so much to see, so much to do. Unfortunately, I only had about four days to visit between World War One sites and World War Two. So I had to pick and choose. And again, the the Ulcery uh, Navarin wasn't even on my list. I was I was leaving Rhymes. I just happened to take a road that drove right by it. And like you said, I'm driving down the street. It's early in the morning. It's still kind of foggy outside. And mm -hmm. I just see this massive monument. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to stop. There's just no way I'm going to just drive past this. And I, I'm thankful I did. But you're right. There's I mean, you can spend weeks and oh, weeks yeah. just 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 visiting um, historical, you know, battlefields, monuments, memorials. It, it is just truly amazing there. It is. It is. <clears throat> Do you teach history in, in France? Um, in my job as superintendent, when we have visitors, um, we do teach um, history to a degree, the American involvement in the war, especially here, the history of the cemetery, 
and how it was built and, and all that and why it was built the way it is. Um, I do that. Now, aside from my regular um, full-time position, um, I also uh, teach public history, graduate course in public history for Norwich University, um, you know, which I, which I do from home. It's an online course. Okay. Um, a very good course. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to do that because I got my uh, master's in military history with Norwich a number of years ago. So it's kind of going back and helping out the, the university. So uh, I do that. And I also do um, uh, battlefield tours and staff rides. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously not much is happening in 2020 with that. You know, the online yeah. course still went, but, uh, you know, people showing up. You know, I haven't I haven't spoken to a, a busload of Americans since early March. Oh wow! It's fingers crossed this things yeah. go back to normal soon. I mean, you, we just don't know what's going on. I had COVID in um, in July, and it, it there was a few days it was pretty bad. So at first, I didn't take it serious. Then when I got it, I definitely took it serious. So, well, one thing we can do though, and we do get some visitors around here. We've had some Americans show up. Um, especially when uh, the European countries all kind of relaxed their restrictions. We're now we're back into the restrictions. Uh, but some people, especially Americans from the bases, the U.S. bases in Germany would come. But here this year, you know, with, with the commission, we always talk about these interpretive opportunities you have. When somebody shows up and you get to talk and you, you interact with the people. Well, this year we worked in a lot more of the Spanish flu because – you know, um, you know, the Spanish flu went through in, in three major waves in uh, 1918, uh, fall 1918, then spring 1919. And it's kind of what we're going through now uh, yeah. with this. So, you know, you kind of change the discussion a little bit and uh, kind of tie in World War One with what's going on right now. Absolutely. It's a crazy story about the Spanish flu. Did it start in an American military base in the Midwest? I think I, you know, there are different people saying, you know, it started in different places. I believe as far as relating to the Americans, I haven't really studied on in too depth too in too depth uh, uh, with that. But um, the, I believe they go back to maybe Fort Riley, Kansas, somewhere out there. And it was a returning soldier. I guess it would have been Camp yeah. Riley back then, a, return, a soldier that had it, or soldiers that had it, because we had soldiers dying on the ships going home. You know, you survive the yeah. war, but you don't you don't survive the peace. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, I think, you know, you, you put yourself in the, uh, in the situation of a young American soldier, you know, let's say from, I don't know, middle of Iowa, you've never left your county let alone gone to New York and then got on a ship and sailed overseas, you know? So yeah. your immune system is not ready for what you're going to encounter over here. And then, then, you know, they, they put you into this wet trench and you're standing in mud and, you know, it's cold and all that. Well, you're going to catch something. Um, you know, so I don't know the, the actual history of, you know, or if there is even an actual history, somebody can pinpoint because, you know, they estimate between 20 and 50 million people died worldwide. Well, yep. by my math count, that's a 30 million person difference. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's funny you, you said about, you know, young soldiers kind of just, this is new to them. 
and I think that's really true today. Uh, you know, I joined the the military in 95. I, I'm an army guy myself. Mm-hmm. And I never left California before that. You know, well, I'd say the Southwest. Yeah. So going over to Fort Benning, Georgia, it, it was a shock. You know, there was things I was not used to. I mean, just, you know, I felt like I was sheltered. So it, I think that's definitely true today. And, and now everything that's going on, you know, young men are going overseas. So, yeah. I think yeah. everything today is, is, is very similar. And here in the Muzargan, I mean, this this is still America's largest battle in terms of numbers of uh, combatants and casualties. Um, you know, just this battle alone had roughly 1.2 million Americans involved. That's a lot of young men and some young women, too, um, you know, living in close quarters. You know, here in the cemetery, we have uh, almost 40 U.S. divisions represented and a division wow. back then was, you know, 27, 28,000 soldiers if they're at full strength. So that's a lot of people in a tight area. And then throw in, you've been here in October, it's cold and wet. Um, and then, you know, some strange bugs flying around and, you know, bad things can happen. <laughs> yes, sir. Bruce, I got one more question before, before we wrap this up. Do you get to visit Paris often? <laughs> in the present tense, no. Um, and you know, uh, we, we, we did, um, my wife and I would go there. We actually lived, um, in the outskirts of Paris for seven months back in 2017 before moving out here. Um, from here, she would go, I think, uh, probably once or twice a month. Um, I would go probably once every six weeks. Um, you know, we have different things going on there and, uh, you know, from here, out here in the Meuse, we drive about 50, 45, 50 minutes, and it gets us to a uh, train station out in the middle of nowhere. And then the high-speed train pulls in, you get on it, and what is normally a three-and-a-half-hour drive by car is one hour to the Gare de l'Est in Paris. Yeah. And from there, if, you know, if you're in a hurry, you have a specific, uh, specific place to go, you take a taxi or something. If not, you just take a series of the metros or you walk, you know, and you can get around. But um, I haven't been to Paris since... February. She hasn't been to Paris since January. Are you a fan of the city? Or are you a fan of the big cities like that? Oh, I love, I love Paris. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it's just a fantastic city. And of course I, there, the historian side of me, I've given French revolution tours, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there they are. I mean, everything from the Bastille all the way to, uh, where the, uh, Bourbon Kings have their crypt. Um, my favorite place in France, I've been saying this for more than 10 years now, my favorite place in France is Les Invalides, or the, the French Army Museum in Paris. Fantastic place. Yes. Love going there. Where they have Napoleon's tomb. Yeah, and at the end of it, you go out the backside, and in and, and the other building, there's Napoleon's tomb. Yeah. Um, it's a great place. Uh, I will say this. For us, we love being out here in the country. Um, Paris is a great place for us to visit. That's awesome. And the reason I asked that question, I, I think Paris is my favorite city in the world. And the funny thing about that was I didn't even want to go to Paris. I, I didn't think I would like it because uh, my brother went. He didn't like it. I had a couple other cousins that didn't like it. And now I realize how could they not like it? It is such an amazing city. And if you're a fan of history, a history buff, there's so much to do. You, you, you just can't get bored. It's impossible. 
if right. you get out and want to want to venture out with history, like you said, you know, you have the uh, Army Museum, Napoleon's Tomb, and much more. It, it's yeah. just an amazing city. It's it's uh, I got this yeah. dream that my wife and I would move to Paris one day, but <laughs> who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, if you do get there, just on the west side of Paris, uh, we have the Seren American Cemetery. Um, and then uh, not too far south of that, uh, just in the suburb of Paris, we have, um, which is now an American uh, monument, the Lafayette uh, Escadrille Memorial Cemetery, um, where some of the wow. Lafayette Escadrille guys are in the crypt. Uh, fan, that's another fantastic monument with a brand new visitor center. So, you know, I encourage everybody if they get a chance to go there, too. But Paris, Paris is a fantastic place. I just like going there to visit. Absolutely. Well, Bruce, it has been a pleasure. I would love to have you back on the show to pick your brain more about history. I'm a history buff and and you really know your stuff, man. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right, folks. That was the interview with Mr. Bruce Malone. I told you he's a really cool guy and he has a wealth of knowledge for history inside that mind. It's people like Bruce who keep history alive. It was fun talking to him, and I hope to have him on more interview episodes in the future. If you're on Facebook, please like the Muse Are Gone American Cemetery and Memorial and give Bruce a follow. He posts amazing photos from the sites. I'd like to also clear something up I said during the interview. I came across this as I was editing the the interview, and I told myself, you probably could have worded that better. When I compared the Muse Argonne with the Normandy American Cemetery, saying I was more impressed with the Muse, by no means whatsoever do I think you shouldn't visit that site. You should. And I was impressed with the Normandy American Cemetery. It's very stunning and moving. And if you're an American, it's good to pay your respects to those who paid the ultimate sacrifice during D-Day. You will thank yourself you did. I'm very glad I visited Normandy. I would do it again if time permitted. And I got choked up there, especially at Point Hog. What I was really trying to say was, because I spend my time reading and studying about the First World War and not so much the Second World War, naturally I would prefer to adventure out looking for great war memorials and cemeteries. And the Muse Argonne was the first American cemetery memorial I visited. It was one of those moments that I'll never forget. There's a word for this, an event or place in time where you can still picture it clearly. I just can't think of the word right now, but this was one of those moments for me as I walked up to the Muse Argonne American Cemetery Memorial. Those who have experienced it will know what I'm talking about. Anywho, I just wanted to clear that up and make sure I didn't offend anybody because Normandy American Cemetery is absolutely amazing and I'm extremely honored to have had the opportunity to visit. And trust me, I will visit again if given the chance. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Please support the show by following me on Instagram and liking me on Facebook. And remember, you can always email the show with any thoughts or concerns at ottgwpodcast at gmail.com. Please stay safe, everyone. And until the next episode, take care.